Adam's sin brought condemnation and death, but Jesus' obedience brought justification and life. You're listening to Wonder Lake Bible Church, building mature followers of Jesus Christ. Find us online at wlbiblechurch.org. Now, here's Pastor Dan Cox with today's message. God is faithful, and His love and His righteousness meet at the cross. And a key thought that I want us to take away from tonight is this, that through the cross of Jesus Christ, the righteousness of God was satisfied and the love of God is magnified. His righteousness satisfied by the giving of Christ's life. The love of God magnified, demonstrated powerfully for us. Tonight we will hear once again the story of Good Friday as reported in the Gospel of Matthew. And then I want us to reflect once again on the faithfulness of God and how it is revealed to us in the cross of Christ, where Jesus, the second Adam, secured our eternal salvation, both demonstrating the righteousness of God and the love of God. But finally, then, we will be reminded that death was not the end of Christ's ministry to us, as we will look forward to the celebration of the resurrection of Christ and all that that means. But first, the story of Good Friday. On Thursday evening, Jesus celebrated that Passover meal with the disciples in the upper room. He washed their feet and he gave them a new commandment. What was that new commandment he gave them? What? That they were to do what? To love one another as he has loved them. So they were to love one another as he has loved us. So we are to love one another. He told them that he would be betrayed by one of them, that he would be rejected and crucified, but that he would rise on the third day. And he gave them assurance that he was going to prepare a place for them and that the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, would come to them and lead them into all the truth. He went to the Garden of Gethsemane and prayed. And while his disciples slept, Jesus prayed that if it was at all possible that the cup of God's wrath would be taken from him. But nevertheless, he willed that the Father's will be done. Jesus was betrayed by Judas. He was arrested. He was taken before the Jewish high priest and the ruling council. He was condemned by them for allegedly committing blasphemy when he affirmed that, yes, he was indeed God the Son. And Matthew then tells us this in Matthew 27. When morning came, all the chief priests and the elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And they bound him and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate, the governor. Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said, You have said so. But when he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he gave no answer. And then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things they testify against you? But he gave him no answer. A single charge 
But the governor was greatly amazed. Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to release for the crowd any one prisoner whom they wanted. And they had then a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when they had gathered, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release for you? Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew that it was out of envy that they had delivered him up. Besides, while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent word to him, Have nothing to do with that righteous man, for I have suffered much because of a dream. Now the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. And the governor again said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. And Pilate said to them, Then what shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? And they all said, Let him be crucified. And he said, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Let him be crucified. So when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. And all the people answered, His blood be on us and on our children. And then he released for them Barabbas, and having scourged Jesus, delivered him to be crucified. And then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters, and they gathered the whole battalion before him. And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him, And twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and put a reed in his right hand. And kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they spit on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe and put his own clothes on him and led him away to crucify him. As they went out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. And they compelled this man to carry his cross. And when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull, they offered him wine to drink mixed with gall. But when he tasted it, he would not drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. And then they sat down and kept watch over him there. And over his head they put the charge against him, which read, This is Jesus, King of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. And so also the chief priests with the scribes and elders mocked him, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now if he desires him. For he said, I am the son of God. And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, 
That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, This man is calling for Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the other said, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. And when the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, truly, this was the Son of God. There were also many women there looking on from a distance who had followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him, among whom were Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. And when it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who also was a disciple of Jesus. He went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus, and then Pilate ordered it to be given to him. And Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a clean linen shroud and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had cut in the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the entrance of the tomb and went away. And Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were there, sitting opposite the tomb. The next day, that is, after the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, Sir, we remember how that imposter said while he was still alive, After three days I will rise. Therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal steal him away and tell the people, He is risen from the dead, and the last fraud will be worse than the first. And Pilate said to them, You have a guard of soldiers. Go, make it as secure as you can. So they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. You know, this past Sunday, we celebrated our 75th anniversary as a church, and our theme was the faithfulness of God. And we looked at many of the ways Scripture reveals God's faithfulness to us, and we specifically recalled some of the ways God has demonstrated His faithfulness to our church over the decades. And in that spirit of celebrating God's faithfulness, I want us to consider tonight how the faithfulness of God is revealed in the cross of Christ. And on Sunday, we'll celebrate how God will prove himself faithful to fulfill his promise of the resurrection. But for now, we might ask, how does the cross of Christ reveal the faithfulness of God, the dependability of God. Well, it shows us how God is faithful to his nature, how he is faithful to his nature and to his promises for long, long ago, before Jesus ever came, 
It had been prophesied that he would come and give his life. But it shows his faithfulness to his nature in that God does not favor one attribute or characteristic of himself over another. Rather, he, he expresses all of his attributes, all of his characteristics perfectly, simultaneously. And so in the cross of Christ, we see God's perfect righteousness and his perfect love demonstrated simultaneously. We see his genius as well and how he was able to uphold both his righteousness and love simultaneously. See, because he is righteous, a righteous God, he must and he will judge all sin. Because he is love, though, he provided a way. He provided a way to both uphold that righteousness that must judge all sin, but also then be able to righteously, rightly forgive guilty, sinful human beings. And he did this through the life, death, and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. You know, Scripture tells us that we are all sinners. That is, that we have all fallen short of God's moral perfection. And because of that, we are all subject to judgment, the judgment which is death, eternal punishment, hell. But God has provided a way to be forgiven and instead receive the free gift of eternal life and grace. Listen to what the Apostle Paul tells us in Romans 5, verses 12 through 21. He says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted when there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass, For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification." For if, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Now the law came to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, 
grace also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. You know, that first man is Adam who left us a legacy of corruption and death. Sin came into the world through him and we have all followed Adam in sin And in Adam's trespass, we all died. We all became sinners, both by nature and by practice. And this led to judgment, condemnation. But the second man, Jesus, is not like the first man, Adam, because Jesus has brought us a legacy, not of corruption and death, but of righteousness and life. Adam sinned. Adam failed. But Jesus obeyed. Jesus triumphed. Jesus never sinned. He perfectly fulfilled all the requirements of God's law. And then he willingly took upon himself the punishment, the judgment for our sins in order that we might be justly forgiven. Adam's sin brought condemnation and death But Jesus' obedience brought justification and life. Sin reigned in death, but now grace reigns through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. God showed himself faithful to his nature as his righteousness and love meet at the cross. And through the cross of Jesus Christ, the righteousness of God was satisfied and the love of God is magnified. This is God's amazing grace. His gift, this free gift, it is received by faith. Faith is trust, confidence. It's putting our trust and confidence in the living God, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's turning away, repenting, turning away from sin and embracing forgiveness and life in Jesus. It doesn't cost us anything, but it cost him everything. He paid the price. We do not contribute to our salvation, do we, by any of our good works or any efforts at all. It's all that he did for us. And that's what we're celebrating. This is why it's good, Good Friday. But it cost Jesus his all, didn't it? And so we honor him tonight. So let us then turn from sin and embrace hope and life in Jesus. Let us be faithful to proclaim that message everywhere we go. For through the cross of Jesus Christ, the righteousness of God was satisfied. The love of God is magnified. Let us explain that. Let us live that out. Let us magnify the love of God through our words and through our lives because his grace is amazing. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, whom you sent into this world for us. We did not deserve him. We do not deserve what he did for us. We we do not deserve your continuing grace that you pour out among us. Grace upon grace. We thank you that Jesus 
We thank you, Lord Jesus, how you humbled yourself. You took on human form. You were made to be one of us, like us in every way, but without sin. You perfectly obeyed the righteous requirements of the law so that we can stand before you perfect, holy. And this given to us is a gift, not something we can earn in any way. So tonight, we honor you, Lord Jesus. We honor your sacrifice. We remember your sufferings. We give thanks for all that you did, for who you are, and for all that you did for us. But we also look forward, Lord, and are thankful to that celebration that is coming Sunday morning when we rejoice in the resurrection. You are a faithful God. We thank you for the many ways you prove your faithfulness to us. We thank you for this church family here, this church body, to which you have been faithful over many years, even at times, Lord, when we were not faithful. You proved yourself faithful to us. And so I pray, Lord, that we would go forth from here tonight and as many years as you may give us, Lord, here, that we would remain faithful to you, that we would remain faithful to your calling on our lives, that we would remain faithful to the mission to make disciples, and that we would remain faithful to your word, the solid rock, that we would stand firmly on it. Whatever may come at us, that we would remain faithful to your word, trusting in you all the way. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for our hope. And we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. For more information about Wonder Lake Bible Church, visit wlbiblechurch.org.